Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? This episode is about finding the next Herb Jones. So who is the next Herb Jones? And in this episode, I'll discuss a few players who will likely fall into the second round, but guys that I think will outplay their draft position and be a major contributor in year one. Stay tuned. All right, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, your daily NBA draft podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and I have traveled thousands upon thousands of miles, and I've seen hundreds of games this year across the globe simply because I love the NBA draft. I eat, sleep, breathe this, and it is June 1st which means that we are just weeks away from the 2022 NBA draft, my favorite time of year. The NBA draft is like my favorite holiday. And in this episode, I just want to cover a few players who I think will fall outside of the first round. But I think these guys could crack their team's rotation and have an impact on possibly a playoff team if they get drafted by a playoff team. And best case scenario, they make all-rookie like Herb Jones, who was the 35th pick in last year's draft. Now, if you don't know Herb Jones, I'll give you a little bit of background on him. He played four years at Alabama, but in his first three seasons, he averaged less than eight points per game, or never even averaged more than eight points per game, was a good defender, could handle the ball, was definitely versatile, but was not much of a scorer, and the huge knock on him was he couldn't shoot. He never had a season in his first three where he shot over 27% from deep, as a senior, had a strong senior year, averaged about 11 points, six rebounds per game, three assists, showed the defensive versatility, but he made huge strides as a shooter, and he shot a respectable 35% from three. Nothing crazy, nothing eye-popping. Nobody was ever going to call him a shooter, but he showed enough promise to where he ended up being a second-round pick. And what a steal he ended up being for the New Orleans Pelicans, started 69 games, all six games in the playoffs, and he just had a huge role in the Pelicans' late-season turnaround. And, of course, you know, C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram had a role there, but you have to think that New Orleans is going to enter next season with with some hype and some expectations, considering they'll get Zion Williamson back, they'll have a full season of C.J. McCollum, and then you also have Brandon Ingram, but Herb Jones is expected to have a major, major role in the success of the Pelicans next year. And so with Herb Jones's success, I imagine there's quite a few general managers who are shaking their heads and wondering how did we miss out on Herb Jones? And so in this year, there are three guys that I think could possibly have a Herb Jones type impact. But before I get into my list, I wanted to thank each and every person for just making the locked on NBA draft or locked on big board podcast a success. I mean, it really means a lot to me. And at this time, we're getting more and more new listeners because we are getting closer to the draft, which, like I said, is my favorite holiday. All right, let's just get right into it. Now, I can be a little bit biased here, but the guy that I believe could have a Herb Jones type successful rookie year. Is none other than Darion Sebron from NC State. He is one of my favorite players in this class. I've been high on him since he kicked 
my Nebraska Cornhuskers butt. He had one of the most, in my opinion, the most impressive game this season in college basketball. He had 39 points, 19 rebounds versus Nebraska on December 1st. Now, when you think of a guy that has 39 points, 19 rebounds, those are like some Shaquille O'Neal type numbers. But Darion Sebron is 6'7 and 180 pounds. He averaged 17 points this year, 8 rebounds, 3 assists per game as a sophomore. And what I love about him is that he is absolutely relentless when it comes to attacking the rim. This is one of the most craziest stats. 79.9% of his shots in the half court were at the rim. And when I say 79.9% of his shots were at the rim, I'm not just talking about in transition. We're talking about in the half court, which is crazy impressive when you consider that college basketball doesn't have great spacing. And again, he's only 180 pounds. So he is the epitome of a relentless rim slasher. Now, I had the opportunity to speak with him at the combine, and I jokingly mentioned to him that, in my opinion, I thought that he looked like a guy that just kind of grew up hooping, didn't necessarily have a trainer. And when I say that, it's not a bad thing. I'm just talking about his style of play. He's not robotic. You can't necessarily put him into a box because he does so many things well. And he laughed and he mentioned that when he grew up, he didn't have a trainer. He was just at the wreck hooping. And I, I, I tend to like guys that have that, that style of play because I think they have a certain level of creativity that comes with just playing pickup basketball. And I think once you add the skills training in it, then I think you end up getting a, a pretty good basketball player. And so in the case with Sebron, like I said, you can't put him in a box. You can't even really label him by a position because – He's comfortable playing as the primary ball handler, which is kind of similar to Herb Jones. And he generates a lot of his own offense with his rebounding. At this 6'7", slim, 180-pound frame, he is a guy that is not afraid to play amongst the trees. He rebounds in traffic. And I don't think there's anybody better in this class at turning rebounds into personal fast breaks like Darion Sebron. And I believe that if he gets with the right NBA team and the right development program, he could be the next Herb Jones. Now, the big, big question mark around Sebron's game is the outside shooting. Now, according to Synergy, he only attempted 55 jump shots this season. And out of those 55 jump shots, he only hit 23.6% of those attempts. Now, you may say, Raphael, that's a little biased because if this was another prospect, you'd probably be a little bit down on him as opposed to looking at this with optimism, which, you know, can be can be true. But in my opinion, the shot is not broken. I think the form is fine, and I think he'll develop into a reliable shooter over time. Now, in my opinion, he's been so good at getting to the rim that he's been able to get by without a consistent jumper. Now, I believe that he is a better shooter than Herb Jones at the same stage of their career. So I am buying into his upside, but I thought he really, really helped himself at the combine last week in Chicago. He did a little bit of everything from showing his lightning quick first step to his blow by speed off straight line drives and just his ability to rebound in traffic and how he could run a team on the second day. He had the opportunity to play point guard full time because John Montero was out and there's one particular play, and I had mentioned it on a previous podcast, where in the 
at the combine, there's no fans there, so it's only NBA scouts. So it's like this huge arena where you can literally hear conversations because there's no fans. There's not a lot of crowd music, and it's almost like going to a junior high game in a sense, right? And Sebron just continued to blow by guys, get to the rim, just generate so much pressure at the basket that the opposing coach was yelling, stay in front of him, stay in front of him. And I was sitting next to a pretty much the entire front office from an NBA team, and the scouts looked at each other and was like, you can't. And so there were some plays where it was off dribble handoffs where he was able to get to the rim. And I think with NBA spacing, I think he's going to look really good. Again, I'm biased because I, I'm a big fan of guys who can apply pressure at the rim and get to the rack without a pick. And Sebron has that versatility to where you can play him at the point. He can be your secondary ball handler. He can be your energy guy off the bench. He rebounds. He plays hard. He has this toughness that I like. So I'm a fan, huge fan. I think that he does have a chance to, if he gets with the right system, the right fit, of course, that is key for everything. But I think that he can be this year's Herb Jones. All right, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about Arkansas's Jalen Williams. Even though he plays a totally different position, I do think he could be a second-round pick that could outperform his draft stock. But I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Now, for a little while, we've been asking, and Built delivered it. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors. There's chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Now, I didn't even know there was a such flavor as white chocolate berry. Now, if you want to try all three, you can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These granolas are so different from the bars and the puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola wow what a shock there but the, it's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness but just like the bars and the puffs these babies are packed with protein and are covered with 100 percent real chocolate with 150 calories 15 grams of protein and only four grams of sugar built granola bars will change your world built has cracked the code to better granola they're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch take on the road or just eat as a snack and they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. So head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars. Again, three delicious flavors to try. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Again, I've never heard of white chocolate berry, but I'm curious to see what it tastes like. You don't have to miss out either. Go get yours today. Go to Built.com and get the Built Granola Bars now. And if you go to Built.com and if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you will get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, once again, thank you so much for making the NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, the Locked On NBA podcast from the first jump ball of the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals. The Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Check it out. Locked On NBA podcast. Great stuff. We are at, I mean, we're just days away from the start of the NBA finals. So I can't wait to hear what the Locked On team has to say and get their, their insight on what goes on. The downside is it's, 
the end of the basketball season, which means we're getting closer to the draft, which is my favorite time of the year. But luckily for the, N- the NBA, it's like year-round. After the finals, you have the draft, and then there's free agency, which is a big deal. So Locked On has you covered all the way around. All right, now let's talk about the next player that I believe can have a Herb Jones-type impact or be this year's Herb Jones, and it is Jalen Williams. Now, you're probably wondering which Jalen Williams because there are two guys with the same name. Now, the spelling is different, but I'm talking about Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Now, it's J-A-Y-L-I-N. Now, I do think Jalen Williams from Santa Clara is going to be a first-round pick. There's some mocks that still have him in the second round, but I think he's going to be a first-round pick. But Jalen Williams from Arkansas, I think he could be someone that falls into the second round. He is a center. He averaged 10.9 points per game, 9.8 rebounds, two assists as a sophomore. Now, even though he only shot 24% from three, I think that he has some upside as a floor spacer, has decent touch. I was at his pro day in Chicago. I thought he shot it pretty decent from three, has a nice little soft touch push floater shot that he has in his arsenal. Now, his greatest impact is not going to be as a scorer. And outside of his rebounding, I think where he can hang his hat on or or find rotation minutes as a rookie is as a team defender and a ball mover. Now, he led the nation in charges taken. He took 54 charges. So that automatically kind of puts him in position as someone that is going to make a positive impact on the defensive end of the floor because he is willing to sacrifice his body and shut down the the driving lanes. Now, he averaged a block game, but I wouldn't say that he's like this great rim protector, but he is someone that can protect the rim below the ground. What's crazy is he's so wired to take charges that at the combine, in a three-on-two, two-on-one drill, and if you're not familiar with the three-on-two, two-on-one drill, it's a full-court drill where you have three players that start off on offense. Now, the whole purpose of this drill is to make sure that the offense can take advantage of their numbers. So you start off with three guys, one guy in the middle, two guys on the wing. The first defender on defense has to stop the first pass, and then the second defender has to, or first you either have to stop the ball or get first pass. And then whoever shoots it and misses or makes it, they get back on defense, and then now it's two-on-one. Well, in this particular drill, and I've been around basketball a ridiculous amount, I've rarely seen somebody take a charge in a three-on-two, two-on-one fast break drill. But if there is one guy that I would not be stunned who takes charges in fast break drills, it is Jalen Williams. And he ended up taking a charge at the combine in front of NBA scouts, which even though scouts already know that's who he is, I think it was kind of impressive in a sense because it doesn't matter the setting. He is going to do what he does best, which is take charges on defense. And so I can see him as a, a a guy that comes off the bench and provides energy. And with his defense, mostly taking charges, he makes some momentum shifting plays. Another skill set that I think could earn him minutes on the floor is his passing. He is a really, really good passer. Outside of Travion Williams, and you can make a case and say that Jalen Williams is the best big man passer in this class. I mean, when I say big man, I'm talking center. I think Paulo Bancaro is a natural point forward in a sense. But Jalen Williams and Travion Williams are two of the best passers in this draft. And what I like about 
Jalen Williams, as far as being a passer, is that he had a positive assist to turnover ratio as a sophomore. Now, as a freshman, I think he had like maybe 24 turnovers and 21 assists or something like that. But as a sophomore, it was like 95 assists, and I think his turnovers were in the 60s, which is crazy because his assist to turnover ratio is better than some of the guys that are highly touted ball handlers and playmakers. Of course, the roles are different, but I, I think it's really impressive when you have a center or a guy that's a low post player that can make reads and make plays for others, and I think it helps open up the offense. Now, another thing about Williams that makes me a believer is that he's battle-tested. The SEC was a tough conference, but in his final two games of his sophomore season, he went up against Gonzaga and Duke, and he more than held his own against Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro, who are expected to be two of the top three players selected in the draft later on this month. Against Gonzaga, he had 15 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. And in their upset win over Gonzaga, I forgot to add that, Arkansas, I mean, they ruined a lot of brackets. Definitely ruined my bracket by upsetting Gonzaga. But he followed that up against a game against Duke where he went against Bancaro, and he had 19 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. So he saved his best basketball for last. There are some concerns about maybe... He's not like this explosive vertical athlete. He's not like this this um, vertical lob threat in a sense, but I do think that he can have an impact. Now, there is an outside chance that he could be a first-rounder on draft night, but I think he could really help a team like Oklahoma City Thunder, who are picking at 34. I think Portland as a backup center there at pick number 36. I think he could help there. Sacramento and San Antonio could be looking for front court help with their picks at 37 and 38. So I think Jalen Williams is a guy that has a good chance of outperforming his draft position. Now, in order to be Herb Jones and make an impact on the playoff team, that means the only teams that I mentioned in that range, possibly Portland, possibly San Antonio, Sacramento has aspirations to make the playoffs, but they haven't made it in 16 years. But I do think that, again, he can have an impact on a team and outplay his draft position. All right, the last player I want to discuss is someone that is not on a lot of draft boards. Now, if he ends up getting selected, great. If he doesn't, it, it probably wouldn't be too much of a shocker. But I'm very high on him, and I think that he could be a guy that I can throw in the same sentence to be this year's Herb Jones. But I want to talk to you about our partners at Bet Online. That's because they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's playoffs. Well, not the playoffs, the finals. Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. All right. In this last segment, I have a sleeper of all sleeper picks. I am high on Jordan Hall. I think Jordan Hall is very, very underrated. And he could be one of the biggest steals. I mean, he may not even get drafted, but I, I'm still high on him. He averaged 14 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists per game for St. Joe's as a sophomore. He is 
this big oversized wing ball handler at 6'7", and he has the size and the frame to where I think he can play multiple positions. But his real value is as a playmaker. He's one of the best in the country at making live dribble passes, and he makes live dribble passes with both hands. He uses his size to see over the top of defenders, and he just has a knack for making cross-court skip passes and finding open shooters. And I think that with his size and his passing, he can bring value to a team that is looking for like a weapon off the bench. And why he's so underrated, I really don't know in a sense. Now, I, there are some concerns about his athleticism. He's not like super fast. He's kind of slow afoot. But he's a solid shooter from three. Shot around 36% from deep. And this is over two seasons combined on a healthy volume of attempts. So he's kind of like Lonzo Ball in a sense to where he is a big wing passer, playmaker. He's not going to do much damage in the paint. Not really going to get to the rim a lot, but he's going to shoot threes. And I, and I think he's a respectable shooter from three. I happen to be at his pro day where he shot with Ocha Akbaji. And Akbaji was one of the best shooters in the country. And if you didn't know stats, you didn't know names, didn't know anything about it, you just watched these two guys work out, shot for shot, there wasn't much of a difference. Now, of course, it's, you know, totally different when there are butts in the seats and there are defenders coming at you. But overall, I think that that Jordan Hall can be a reliable shooter from, from deep in the NBA. Now, like I said, there are concerns about his defense because, like I said, he's a little slow-footed. So that may limit how impactful he is on defense. But overall, I see him as this weapon that could help a team with his size and his passing. Now, he may not be Herb Jones, but he could be this year's version of Delano Benton, who I was very high on last year. Again, a little bit biased because he went to Nebraska, but I just have a, a thing for oversized ball handlers and guys that are really, really versatile. And Banton was the 46th pick in last year's draft, and he ended up playing 64 games for Toronto, which was the playoff team. So Toronto got good value out of Banton there, and I think maybe Jordan Hall could provide that same type of of um, depth and passing and size for another team in this year's draft. All right, well, that wraps it up for me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Again, Thank you for making the NBA Big Bro Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, you have to check out the Locked On NBA Podcast. First jump ball of the play-in tournament. And now they're down to the last seven games, or at the minimum, the last four games of this NBA season. And the Locked On Experts will take you deep inside the NBA Finals with insight and analysis that not only affect the teams that are playing, but all 30 teams. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. I am out.